in text messages. Um, and, oh, okay, wait, 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 not that text. Let's go with this one from Brett. Nailed it, Lyle. Thank you for not being afraid to tell the truth. Oh, wow, got some support. From Janelle. Fully agree with what Lyle just shared. Oh, uh, then, <laughs> then we've got another one. This one's kind of longer. Let me see here. While I see what you are saying and agree with your sentiments, the reason many people are pushing the COVID-19 conspiracy is because the media is continually lying to the public, including you and me. There are many of us who are preaching the everlasting gospel daily. COVID and vaccines are one of the ways uh, Satan is destroying the whole world. They want to kill you, me and your families. Millions are being vaccinated and who knows how many will die because of it. I totally agree that all should be balanced uh, for Jesus coming very soon. Pastors throughout the world are telling their congregations to get vaccinated. Um, how do you explain that? We need balanced conversation from both sides, but I still agree with your sentiments. And then finally, can't wait for tonight's The End presentation. <laughs> so, well, hey, did I predict it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. did. Okay, but, you know, and I appreciate the fact that uh, this person who's texted through here has talked about the need for a balanced conversation and that's that's exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. And I think that everybody needs to look as individuals at both sides of the story. Mm. And I have long advocated for freedom of conscience on these issues. Mm. Uh, the moment that you move away from freedom of conscience, you're going to get less people. that are, If you want everyone to get vaccinated, the worst thing you can do is try and force people. Yeah, wow. Well, because they just get their back up. Well, now they're just trying to pay everyone, which is the most... Wild. I I am like this is so, okay. Not only do you make it look like COVID is a conspiracy theory by paying everyone to get vaccinated against it, but they're like, oh yeah, well the thirty billion dollars that we're spending on paying people to get vaccinated will boost the economy because we won't be in lockdown. I'm like, are there that many people against getting a COVID vaccine that you can't stop the lockdowns? So I am, I am. Well, shocked. what that's going to do is it's going to specifically target socioeconomic groups, mm. low socioeconomic groups, which is the area in which the the virus spreads the far, fastest. So I guess that they're probably... But I'm like, if right you there. vaccinate them without giving them $300 and stop the lockdown, you'll boost the economy anyway. Why spend another $30 billion? Okay, okay. I'm, I'm sorry that I might not understand everything. See, Lawson just proved my point, didn't I you? might just be silly and dumb, but... Uh, <laughs> Lawson just proved my point. How did I prove your <laughs> because point? Because now we're talking about vaccinations again rather than the real issues. Oh, well, the, do you, do you realer, want to do a Bible study? The realer issues. The realer actually. issues. Yes. Yeah, you know what, I, Lyle, I just think, I just think it's because you're just, you're just lame. Yep. <laughs> We all know that. I was trying to come up with this, this, some kind of insult, and then I was like, nah, he, he doesn't deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going we're to dig into our Bible study. And uh, if you want to have more to say on my vaccine conspiracy, then I'm going to post it up on social media maybe later on today. And so you just have to head over there um, and find me on social media mm-hmm. and have your comment there. Yes. So. That's right. All right. Let's go to the issue of Joseph. Let's go to Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Genesis 39 and verse 1. Oh, classic chapter in the Bible. I'm, I'm assuming I'm not there yet. Uh, 39 verse 1. 39 verse 1. 
Let me turn over. Let's there. read this. Oh, this is a classic chapter of the Bible right here. Yeah, the the the, la- the end of Genesis is just the best. Ah, oh, d- dude, Genesis is like someone needs to make a real movie out of right. several of the major stories of the Bible, like uh, Genesis and Queen Esther, like a real one. I you know? I want to see a real movie on the fight between David and Absalom. Oh. I think that that would be the coolest thing ever. Like, not to distract from our Bible study today, but like the stories you hear when David's on the outside of the city, they're sending spies into the city, I, all the betrayal, all of the the conspiracy, like the you know all of the crazy. I honestly think that would be the coolest. Why? 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 Ever. Why did anybody ever spend so much time and energy coming up with Game of Thrones? When, when you got, have reality, like, the most epic. Get- I remember reading reality. that for the first time. You know, I I, I came. I was I'm a secular kid. I pretty much like I I became a Christian just before the last season of Game of Thrones. So I'd seen all of it, and I was like, oh, Game of Thrones is so cool. Game of Thrones is this, that, the other. And I become a Christian. I read through First and Second Kings for the first time, and literally like my. Oh well, first and first, second Samuel, first and second Kings, mm. and my brain is falling out of my head. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, yep. And you see the similar things in Genesis. I think in Genesis it's a little bit more focused on on specifics and individuals rather than the the doings and throwings and goings of the nation of Israel, which I, to me is a little bit more interesting from a storytelling perspective. Whereas Genesis is like focusing on the individuals of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob you know, Joseph and his brothers, you know, before we get to the book of Exodus. But still, it's so amazing. I'm like, yes, get in. All right, let's let's read this uh, 39 verse 1. 39 verse 1, go for it. The Bible says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was a captain of the guard of... of uh, Potiphar was a captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Okay, so Pharaoh, you know, this is this is the royal guard. Yes. So these are the elite of the elite. Yes. These are his serious dudes. They are the warriors. They are the ones that he entrusts his life to. Yeah, of the biggest empire at the yeah, time. This is this is this is his house guard. Mm. Oh, this is absolutely. This is the this is the world superpower right now. Mm. This is this this is Potiphar's secret service. Yeah, that's Pharaoh, who they are. Pharaoh's secret service. Sorry, Pharaoh's secret service. Is. Potiphar and Potiphar is in charge of it. Yeah. Wow. Well. So that's a pretty he's he is up there, Potiphar. Mm. And of course, okay, think about Joseph at this particular point. You've been carted off, and uh, I am absolutely certain that being a young man, there was a lot of thought of escape. Mm. And he would have been looking for opportunities like, how do I get away from these Ishmaelites? You know, probably just hanging around and trying to make friends with them, see if you can do some fake Stockholm syndrome and uh, become a part of the Ishmaelite crowd for a while until you can escape from there maybe or, you know, because they talk the same language. Mm. They're, the, they're the same people. They're cousins. Um, you know, and so, you know, may, maybe that's those kind of thoughts are going through his head. Uh, maybe he's looking for you know ways to sort of slip the knots and get out in the middle of the night, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But Egypt, Egypt is a long way away. Mm. He's now in a foreign country where they speak a foreign language, and escape is going to be infinitely harder. Now, the thing with escape is that your opportunities for escape and your, uh, you know, in, in all of these kinds of situations, whether it's as a prisoner of war or whether it's, you know, as a criminal or whether you're being imprisoned for your faith or whatever it might be, the basic principle of escape is that escape becomes harder every minute that you are incarcerated. 
Mm. So your best opportunities are your first opportunities. Yes. And then it just gets harder and harder and harder and harder from there. And so now it's infinitely hard. He's in a foreign country. He stands out. He's a foreigner. He doesn't speak the language. And not only that, but Potiphar buys him. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So now you've got to escape not just out of the... You know, not just not just out of Egypt, you know, and get back across the desert, find a way to do that, which is a long way back to your father. Um, but you can also you, you've got to escape, you know, from Egypt's mm. secret service. That is not going to be easy. Mm. Not easy. At all. I also think, like you know, I just see Joseph as, and we see this consistently through the Bible, like when. Um, Israelites have ended up in captivity. I think of the likes of Daniel and, and you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and whatnot. Um, when they've ended up in captivity, because of their excellence, is they've always been put in high places. And we see the same thing with Joseph. I'm like, oh, man, he must have been picked up by Potiphar because he was pretty legit. And when you read the next couple of verses, that's, like, exactly what you see as well. Like, this is, like, probably a really good-looking, well-mannered, fit, smart dude. Um, and yeah, he's rewarded with by that. Uh, he's rewarded for that by now being the servant and the slave of like one of the most powerful people. Yes, because he would have been he would have been from. an expensive slave. Yeah, definitely. And, and so only a nobleman would have been able to afford him. Mm. You know, he's not just sort of some random riffraff that's been dragged off the streets of, you know. Babylon or somewhere yeah, or other. Mesopotamia and- or whatever. No, like he's, yeah, he's probably high-end. Mm-hmm. But we see mm-hmm. in the next couple of verses. Well, like- he's obviously high-end because of how part of his wife responds. Yeah, wow. Mm. But I, I, I want to okay, read the cu- couple of verses like leading up to that point okay. because I think this is really, really interesting. Yes. I think this says a lot to us about how, you know, how we should be in our day. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. This is interesting because he's been the favored child. Joseph has been the favored child. And you will notice that when Joseph goes to visit his brothers, he's going to visit his brothers. His brothers are the ones who are doing the work. Mm. He is the one who is the visitor. Mm. So he is not the kid that is doing work. This is the kid who has never worked a day in his life before. Yeah, wow. But it tells you something about his character that when he finds himself in this situation, that now he excels. Dude, he's such a gun. Yes. I feel like this really this really speaks to me in the sense of, you know, something we've been talking about, well, today and over the last couple of weeks is, you know, the idea of, you know, how to deal with persecution, how to deal with the the stripping of rights and, um, you know. He certainly sh- had his rights stripped away, didn't he? Oh, dude, he's literally a slave, like, mm-hmm. like a real slave. Yes. Like a real, real slave. People keep telling me, we're slaves. Dude, we're this guy is actually like being bought and sold into Uh slavery, Uh yet he's excelling. You know, you can't excel at anything without a want to, without a, you know, without a push to. Like, and no, but he is, he is excelling in what he does because he is ultimately, you know, taking on board the principle of, you know, well, where, whatever situation I am, 
I mean, God is going to be with me and I'm going to strive for excellence. Like, this is where Joseph's at. And I see this and I'm like, man, good for him. And it gets to the point where, like, Joseph, this random Hebrew slave, now is not only he's Potiphar's personal attendant, he has control over everything Potiphar owns. And on top of that, he controls all the other slaves. Like, the level of trust, level of everything for a person that you bought. You know, a yes. person who was forced into slavery. Yes. And we see that even further than this, like, his righteousness stays intact. Unfortunately, that's not perceived by other people. Um, but, yeah, I'm like, man, good on Joseph. What a gun. It's amazing. Somebody's uh, texted through here. What did they say? Okay, here it comes. The divide between getting vaccinated or not is just, not, is, is just another one of the topics that is being used to divide us Ooh. by Satan not. Not the Ooh. governments, although he uses the governments just as much. And as you said, Lyle, just distracting us from the real issues. A nation divided is weak, but we also need to ensure we unite under the right banner and Amen. for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. I agree. Under the banner of Christ. Yes. <laughs> still find it fascinating that they have to put the vaccination in there. Oh, yeah, they made a point, they made a point about COVID. <laughs> Uh, this is great. Hey, guys, honestly, um, I really appreciate the fact that you are all texting in with your ideas and mm. your thoughts and you're calling in on this. Um, we love to hear from our listeners and yeah. we love to share your thoughts here on Faith FM. Mm. Simple as that. Dude, 100%. All right. Okay, where are we up to? Verse 5. Uh, verse 5. Yeah, go for it. Verse 5. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, um, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was very handsome and a well-built young man. There you go. The Bible says it. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, as the as his father's favorite, you know, let's 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 compare, you know, where he was and where he's come to. You know, he's the, he's the kid that gets ran in the coat of many col- many colors. Mm. And of course, this was in an era when colored dye was something really only reserved for royalty. Mm. His father was fabulously wealthy. And so his father's like, "Yeah, I'm going to lash out and get some colored dye and rather than make himself a coat, he makes one for Joseph. Yeah, that's right. a very clear signal to everybody, you know. And this is like the worst parenting ever, <laughs> you know, because his father following in his father's footsteps. Isaac had favorites. And he's like, well, there's nothing wrong with having favorites. Yeah, well, I'll have my favorite. Wow, what does that say about all? Say to all the other kids, it's pretty dysfunctional right there. But now he's a slave, and now he is excelling, and he's. He's a fit dude. He's handsome, well-built, young, cheery. Um, We see the result of that continuing on in verse 7. It says, And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. All right, we're getting getting ahead of ourselves now because this sort of gets more into what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Ooh, okay. Um, But we've got some, you know, Joseph learns the lesson that we all have to learn right here, that Mm. if we are dependent on others to tell us what we're worth, then we're going to be in for a rough ride and be horribly confused Mm. because not everyone is going to appreciate who we are uh, or what we're like. It's really that simple. 
And so if, if you're going to be told, if you're going to depend on others like, oh, you're a slave, you're rubbish, you know, you're, you're, dirt, you're just the bottom, bottom of the bucket, uh, then uh, our self-worth is going to plummet and we are not going to excel at anything. Mm. We need to understand, as Joseph did, that he is a blood. We are a blood-bought child of God, and when we wow. understand just how much we are worth, then we are able to succeed in life, because we appreciate the fact of who we are as an individual. And it was because uh, Joseph was able to recognize this that he was able to exceed. Mm. He arrives in Egypt, and he's like, "Okay, I'm a slave. That's miserable. That's just the worst outcome ever." But I'm a blood-bought child of God and I am the heir of a great fortune and all kinds of promises back in Canaan. That's who I am. And he recognizes himself based on the promises that God has made to him along with the, uh, um, the, the fact that he has been redeemed by God. Mm. And so he doesn't he doesn't see himself as a slave when everybody else sees him as a slave. And this is the key to his, his success right here. This mm. is why he's able to succeed where others fail. Dude, I remember. Um, uh, so I, I worked a couple of years for a pastor in the area. His name's Blake Penland. Um, and he said to me one day, he's like, Lawson, if you do anything in life, people will hate you. Lots of people might like you, yes, but people. Will hate yes. you. And I remember, like, we yes, were, I was working, I was working for him at a church. Uh, we're working together. And, um, you know, I'm like, you know, singing up the front for worship and, and playing guitar and, you know, doing a bunch of other things. I was working as a Bible worker. So I had, you know, when, when you're working for the church and at paid capacity, you have you kind of your fingers in a lot of different pies and doing a lot of different things. And another thing I was doing was teaching the, the Bible study for like the youth Sabbath school. And, um, yeah, like he came and told me, um, and he's like, remember that time that I said, if you do anything, like there'll be people that hate you. And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh yeah. One of the moms of like the kids who was in Sabbath school, she just came to me and said, wow, that, that lesson that Lawson taught was awful. And it totally <laughs> wasn't either. Like it was a good lesson, but at the same time, it was just like, like this person just personally didn't like me. Yes. And it was just like something that I had to accept it's like oh man if you do anything um there are people that won't like you and we see that kind of play out in joseph's life where whether he's good or bad or whatever there are people who love him like potiphar and there are people who don't love him like his brothers um but yeah we need to be secure in who we are in jesus you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different mm-hmm. we'll get back into our bible so let's go to isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1 Isaiah 43 Isaiah and verse 1. 43 and verse 1. I will turn there. Okay. Um, Isaiah 43 and verse 1. The Bible says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Okay. There you go. Uh, if you... Look at this particular passage right here. Let's uh, think about how does God see us? You know, we look at ourselves and we often, well, as guys, we overestimate ourselves and as girls, we underestimate ourselves. It's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of how yeah, it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we were in a situation like Joseph was where mm. we are dealing with, you know, a slavery kind of scenario, 
then uh, it would be quite challenging to actually see ourselves in the way that God sees us. Mm. Well, it's because, it, it, like, slavery is really built upon, like, the breaking down of dig- dignity and their, their mindset. And, and we see this in super harsh ways today. We saw it during, you know, the African slave trade and and whatnot, like, really, really harsh and terrible things in which they do to get the slaves to essentially hate themselves. Yeah, they turn them into basically animals. So they'll submit. Yeah. And um, But we see here, like, Joseph kind of... Standing up in spite of that. Because he understands this passage right here. Okay, let's work our way through it very quickly. Uh, but it says, but now this is what the Lord says. So this is what God says. Mm. Who created you, Jacob. Yeah, wow. Well. So the first thing he says, look, is I created you. I brought you into existence. You are here because I wanted to spend eternity with you. Uh, you are not the random coming together of two cells at the time of conception. Wow. I created you. Mm. That's what he says. That makes you special. Who formed you. So not only were you created by God, you were formed by God. Mm. And so this is why each one of us is different and this is why each one of us is unique is because God does not just bring and, and, and give us life. He gives us a form as well and he likes the way we look. Mm. We, once again, I guess more so with the girls than with the guys, but often with the guys as well, uh, don't like the way we look. God's like, no, you're amazing. What are you complaining about? Now, obviously, we live in a world of sin, and sometimes, you know, there are health issues that uh, come in, and you know, health issues are what health issues are. But the reality is, at our core, God formed us. Mm. Just because sin sometimes deforms who we are at our core, it doesn't change the fact that we were formed by God. Then it goes on. Next line. So, the first line, who created you? Second line, who formed you? Third line, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Mm. What does that say about our self-worth? Oh, well then, essentially, like, we cost more than the life of God. Okay, and what is it that determines the value of a thing? Uh, well, like, it's ascribed, you know, you know what, what, it's, what people will pay for it. What people will pay for it. Yeah. That's exactly right. Mm. And so then what is our value? What was God prepared to pay? His life. Yeah, that's yeah. off the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, then finally it says, I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Yeah, wow. What does that say about how God sees us? Um, he wants to use us. He has a purpose for us. He called us by name. Mm. You know, so it's, not like, it's not like one of those situations where it's like, okay, you thousand people over there, come follow me. He's like, no, Lawson, yes. follow me. Yeah, that's powerful. Yes, you've been summoned. Mm. And then he says, you're mine. You belong to me. That's pretty special. Yeah. When God says it, not when somebody else says it. Okay, so we'll go on to uh, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 17. Malachi 3 and verse 17. Malachi 3 and verse 17, as I find it in my Bible. It's the last book of the Old Testament. 3 and 17, the Bible says, uh, They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Got another text message coming through here. Let's see. Let's see. Couldn't agree more with your comments, mate. Well said. So we're getting some people. Some support. Getting some support. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Didn't say anything about COVID. Not a, not a word? No, I think they'll learn their lesson. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's all good. All right. 
let's let's have a look at this one and let's see what this you know as I start to read these passages, it gives me the impression that God looks at us through rose tinted glasses. Yeah, wow. You know what the color of you know where they get the the, the, the rose color comes for from for those glasses? Where? The blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. wow! What a metaphor. They are rose tinted glasses tinted that color by the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. Think about that. That's just popped into my head just then. Yeah. It's like, wow. Illustration. Okay. Uh, where are we? On the day when Acts says the Lord, my, they will be my treasured possession. What does your translation say again? Uh, will be my people. Uh, mine's better. Treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves Oh, mine him. says special treasure too. I was reading the long, wrong line. Yeah, oh, it's okay. a special treasure. Special treasure or treasured yeah. possession. Mm. And the fact that God says this about us, mm. you know, because we say those kinds of things about our children. Yeah. Well, you don't, but I do. <laughs> you will. I do. Mm. Um, but for those of who have children, there is nothing that we treasure in our life more than our kids. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an amazing thing. You know, when our granddaughter was born the other day, just this uh, this new little baby just comes into the world and instantly you know that you wouldn't hesitate to give your life for that child. You just wouldn't even think twice mm. about it if if that was a requirement. And, and, and she's just a helpless little baby. You mm. know, and I look at her parents and they are experiencing that kind of love for the first time. Mm. They've never experienced that kind of love before because they've never had children before. And this is how God looks at us. Okay, so we're going to flick over to the New Testament, see if we can squeeze in one more Bible verse, uh, John chapter 1 and verse 12. Ooh, ooh, let me let me try and get Race there for it. quickly. John chapter, John 1, chapter 1, verse 12. Let's see, can he do it? John chapter 1 and verse 12. The Bible says this. Um, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is now time for... Question of the Day. Okay, so someone has asked Lyle... Um, that, you know, according to Mark chapter 9 and verses 43 to 44, they've identified something uh, and they've ultimately asked, Lyle, why do we have a worm? Yeah, that's a bit gross, isn't it? <laughs> it's really gross. A uh, worm is something I do not want to have. There are medications that you can take to get rid of a worm. If uh-huh. you have a worm, then that is a problem. Let me read it to you what it says here, and a lot of people get confused over this. In fact, this is a passage that uh, several people have brought up in relationship to material that we've been producing on the end, uh, dot digital, where we talked about Hellfire and we talked about the fact that Hellfire goes out. Mm. And they've gone, oh, no, 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 no. In, in, in Mark chapter 9, the Bible says, our worm never dies. Uh, hmm, you have a tapeworm. <laughs> the body burns away, and but the tapeworm just continues to so, live. That is not something I hellfire. want to talk about, right? <laughs> it's so gross. Let me read you what the Bible says. It says, If your hand offends you, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that will never be quenched. 
where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Of course, quenched there is the Old English for extinguished. Mm. Okay, so uh, there's, there's a bunch of questions that come out of this, and we have to understand what on earth is Jesus talking about here, and why is he talking about humans having a worm, and what is that worm? And some people assume, well, the worm, then that is the soul. You always wondered what a soul looks like. Now you know it looks like a worm. No, that's not what it's about. We need to understand what Jesus is talking about here. And the first thing is that Jesus, there is nothing in this passage that refers to an, any form of immortality in hellfire. There is nothing in this passage that even refers or speaks of Hellfire. Hellfire is not written in the passage. This passage does have a relationship to Hellfire, but if not, it doesn't actually mention Hellfire. Okay, so if your hand offends you, cut it off. Better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into not Hellfire, but Gehenna. Uh, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched or extinguished. Okay, so when Jesus is giving this uh, illustration right here, he is in Jerusalem and overlooking the rubbish tip, and the rubbish tip of Jerusalem was called Gehenna. And in Gehenna, that was where they would not throw, not just throw all of the rubbish and the refuse of the city, but one of the major forms of rubbish that they had in those days, because it was not a disposable society that we have today, so they didn't actually have a lot of stuff that went into the rubbish tip. The major thing that went into the rubbish tip was dead animals. Because you lived in a society which is an agrarian society, all transport is by animals. Uh, there's you know just there's just animals everywhere, and of course Jewish people would never do, eat an animal that had died of itself. And then on top of that, you would have you know beggars, the homeless people. When they died, they got tossed into the rubbish tip as well because people were like, well, who's this? We don't know where to bury them. We don't know who their relatives are. So into the rubbish tip they went. And so what you had, the way that they managed the rubbish tip was they would set the bodies aside for a while. And the maggots would come through and the maggots would, you know, the worms would basically clean out the body and the sun would beat down on the body until all of the liquid was used up. And so once the body was dry enough, they would then toss the body onto the fire and it would be burned in the fire. And so those whose job it was to tend Gehenna were constantly throwing bodies onto the fire. And so Gehenna was a place that was renowned. And and basically what Jesus is saying is, okay, look over here at Gehenna and this is a little bit like what hellfire is like. Gehenna was known as a place where... There was always fire, there was always worms, in other words, maggots, and everything was turned to ash. Mm. And Jesus says that's what hellfire is going to be like. Hellfire is a place of total and utter annihilation where everything is turned to ash. And so here Jesus is talking about Gehenna, the rubbish dump. And the worm, no, we don't have a worm, but worms existed in that rubbish dump. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.